The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Missio Day or to partner with us on mission, visit mdcavl.org. Good morning, church. First of all, I want to say, whoever designed this slide, uh, it's taken me back to the 70s, man. <laughs> My high school days, so <laughs> groovy. Um, as it says, my name is Mark. I'm one of the elders here. Um, 24, let me get this right, 24, 1,440, and 86,400. These are fixed numbers. What are they? Hours, minutes, uh, hours, minutes, and seconds in a day. That's how much we each have every day. We all have the same amount of time every day. Um, you can't buy more. You can't be like super rich and hoard it from one day to the next. Um, everybody gets the same amount of time. And there's no shortage of advice on how to use your time. So I just cleared out some of my, uh, some of my library today. And uh, these are just some of the books uh, that I have that can help you in time. High Performance Habits, Organizing for Success, the classic Getting, Th- Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, <laughs> One Year to an Organized Life. I want it now, so I'm not going to read that one. Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. Finish. Give yourself the gift of done. This is one of, a, of two of these books that I've actually finished. <laughs> uh, free to Focus. That was also a good one. And uh, this one, more from a Christian perspective, What's Best Next? How the Gospel Transforms the Way You Get Things Done. Wisdom. Better wisdom. We have planners, right? Um, I've used them all. You know, the Life Mastery Planner, the Law of Attraction Planner, the Full Focus Planner. For those of you that like animals, there's the uh, Clever Fox Planner. If you don't like foxes, there's the Panda Planner. And I mean, just go on Amazon. All kinds of things helping you deal with your time. Well, we're in the book of Proverbs right now, and we're going to look at how Proverbs, some of the things that Proverbs tells us about time and and how we can use it. So let's see what uh, Proverbs may have to offer us as far as a biblical perspective on time. And remember, we learned as we began this this series last week, we, we learned that Proverbs 
is part of the Bible's wisdom literature, most of it written by Solomon, but others as well. Uh, It contains short sayings of general truth. Uh, It gives us a, a model of reality, how life really works. And um, it, it, it is the way of wisdom. Solomon, as, as we saw, was, was the wisest man in all the world, at least until Christ came. But through him, he wrote all these sayings um, that, that give us a glimpse into what wisdom is. Now, Proverbs is somewhat uh, disjointed, um, Preaching in Proverbs is kind of like, it's kind of like reading the phone book, you know. Uh, the characterization is great, but the plot's a little choppy. Um, so it's, it's difficult to find a passage because these are, Proverbs is made up of, of just a series of, of somewhat unrelated to each other sayings, uh, and occasionally you get some flow to it, but uh, we'll try to find that. So I invite you to Turn in your Bible today to, to Proverbs chapter 19, Proverbs 19, and we're going to get a, uh, a glimpse. We'll look at, at several um, other Proverbs and other places as well. So let's start here at Proverbs 19, and we'll go to verse 20 through 24. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Let's pray. Lord, we end on, on that reading on kind of a humorous saying, but Lord, I pray that all will be made clear in time. Lord, as we come to your word now, we thank you for the wisdom that you have passed on through your servants, through those that you inspired, so that, yes, this is the Word of God. Lord, be with me as I I speak on it today. Give me clarity. Give us understanding, illumination from your Holy Spirit, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, then. As we talk about time and especially from this passage, as I said, we're getting a biblical perspective on time. So for those of you taking notes, the first point that we want to make is that time belongs to God. Time belongs to God. We see this in verse uh, 21. Many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God is sovereign over our time. This is the the theological underpinning for any of our thoughts on time and how we might use time is that God is sovereign over time. He will accomplish His purpose. He overrules 
meaning he rules over our plans. Many are the plans for a man, but God makes things happen. God, is, um, God will um, accomplish his purpose. Now notice here, it, it talks about a purpose in the singular, one purpose. God has one purpose in this world, one purpose for the church, one purpose for you and your life, and that is to make Jesus Christ glorious and for all of humanity to understand that. And whether that's now in this life as we come to Christ and we submit to his lordship, or if in, in the end of days we may reluctantly bow and realize that he is the Lord, but that is God's purpose, to bring glory to himself and to make Jesus glorious. Now we tend in our work and in our time and in our planning, we tend to forget about God. We make our plans, we live our lives, we say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, I'm going to take this job, I'm going to go on vacation, I'm going to do all these things. And we, we mentally shove God into a corner. And whether we call that corner religion or spirituality or the church corner, um, we just tend to forget that God is involved in our plans. And we live as, as practically atheists thinking that it's our time. But it is not. It is God's time. His purposes are the deciding factor. He's accomplishing his purpose in time. And we are to live with that in mind, that behind everything that we do, and, and I'm not saying that we get to be weird about it or anything like that, but mentally our worldview should be such that we understand that behind everything is a sovereign God who um, is working in time. Another verse in Proverbs, you don't have to turn there, but uh, Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You know what? God knows. God knows what the day will bring. And the reason God knows is not because he's smarter than everybody else and, and he's figured it out. He knows what's going to happen the way the author of a book knows what's going to happen because he's writing the story. He is sovereign over our time. Therefore, what we need to do with this in mind is have a little bit of humility in terms of our plans. That verse I just read from uh, 27.1, Do not boast about tomorrow, sounds very familiar to an, another passage in the book of James. So if you keep your finger here in Proverbs, uh, flip over to James chapter 4 in the New Testament. James is, he's been called the Proverbs, that book has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's very similar. James invokes many of the same uh, stylistic um, similarities in his writing. A lot of what he's writing about is wisdom, more from a gospel and New, and New Testament standpoint. But in James chapter 4, 
Starting in verse 16, it says this, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. To live our life as if time belonged to us is arrogant boasting. To make these plans and to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this without considering that it is God who will work His purpose and is setting about to to bring glory to Jesus Christ, without considering that, is arrogant boasting. Now, this is more than just a a simple mantra that that James is talking about. It's not that we just always go around and saying, saying that phrase, well, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, then I'll be there tomorrow, you know. Um, it needs to be much more than just a saying on our lips, but it needs to be the mentality, the worldview that's in our minds as, as we go. There's a phrase that I've always liked, coram deo. We, we uh, support a church plant in Morganton, coram deo church, with Billy Glosson, the pastor. He's been here a number of times. And uh, as far as Latin names go, I like that one too. Uh, Missio Dei is pretty cool, but uh, so is Coram Deo. Coram Deo means before the face of God. And the idea is that we live our life before God. We live our life before His face, and we need to be God-facing in our decision-making, God-facing in our in our thoughts and in our minds, that we never do anything with our time without considering what God is doing. It's not just God has a section of my life that is my religion or my spirituality or my church life, and then I have all the rest. No, God has it all, and we live all of our life, whether it's our our work life, our family life, our friendships, everything that we do, we do before the face of God. So as we think about this, as we think about our perspective on time, ask yourself, are my plans, are my thoughts and planning and my times God-facing. Because many are the plans of a man, but God will accomplish His purpose. So in the uncertainty of these times, as as Jimmy talked about, in in the uncertainty of this, we know and we can rely on the fact that God is in control. And we can take great comfort in that. And as we plan our time, as we even think about how to make our use of time better, how, how do we face God with that? How do we do that coram deo before the face of God? All right, number two, 
second point we want to make is that we are missional in our use of time. Missional in our use of time. We kind of saw that introduced to us at the end of this passage back in, in Proverbs 19, where uh, we saw in verse 24 this sluggard, this lazy person. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. This is one of many times that this character, the sluggard, shows up in the book of Proverbs. This one is a particularly um, vivid picture to where he's so lazy that he's too tired to even eat. Like he puts his hand to the food and, oh, I'm just too tired to bring it to my mouth. He comes up with all these excuses. There's other places where he, he says he can't, do, he can't do what he's supposed to do because there's a lion in the street. Now I realize around here, it very well could be there's a bear in the street. I heard last week that during the 9 o'clock, there was a bear in our parking lot. Did you all know that? I didn't get to see it, but uh, that's pretty crazy in the middle of West Asheville that we have a bear. But anyway, some people will just come up with any excuse, and that's the sluggard. That's, that's the one. So let's uh, flip back over to uh, chapter 24 now, Proverbs 24, and we'll see a passage about the sluggard, the slothful person, the lazy person. All right, so Proverbs 24, now we're in verse, uh, verse 30 through 34. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This is the sluggard. In Proverbs, the way of wisdom is often described as productivity as over against slothfulness and laziness. The wise man plants in spring so that he can, uh, he can reap a harvest in the fall. And the sluggard, on the other hand, as we saw here, his, his field is overrun with, with weeds and his wall has broken down because he's not done any work and he's He's been like, like most of us in the morning when the alarm goes and it's like oh, just five more minutes and then five more and then another five and we just keep putting it off and, and we become sluggardly. Um, and so the way of wisdom is often, as I said, described as, as a way of productivity. But notice when I made the point here, I said that we need to be missional in our use of time. I didn't use the term productive. And I did that on purpose because the sluggard, as we have him described here, is not just lazy. At a deeper level, he's not fulfilling his purpose. He's supposed to be fruitful in the vineyard. 
And, and the writer here says, I passed by the field and it was overgrown and it, there were weeds. And it was a, this man lacking sense, he'd allowed it to become covered with thistles and all of this. Not just lazy, but beyond that, not fulfilling his purpose, not fulfilling his mission. And so what we want to think about here, as we think about our use of time, is that God is not just calling us to a life of busyness and efficiency. God is calling us to a life of mission. And that we be purposeful and busy about the mission. Jesus told his disciples, occupy. Be occupied in the mission until I come. Until my return. Now it is God's purpose that frames our purpose. This kind of goes on the back of the first point that we made. That we live all of life before the face of God, well, now as we think about what do I do and what am I doing with my time and how am I using my time, it's not just a matter about getting things done, it's about getting the right things done. You can be efficient in your activity, productive in all that you do, but if it's not God's purposes, it's a waste of time. You don't have to turn there, but Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives these instructions. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, we have a tendency to take Paul's phrase here, making the best use of time, and just lift that out by itself and say, okay. Let's think about how we can make the best use of time. But what he says here is that we are to walk as wise, making the best use of our time. Why? Because the days are evil. There is a context of good and evil and God's plan and God's purpose, which frames our purpose as to what it means to make the best use of time. And he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, we're not talking here about the will of the Lord in terms of, should I take this job or that job? Should I marry this person or that person? And lucky you if you have two to choose from. But <laughs> it's not as if God is, the will of the Lord is our personal fortune teller. The will of the Lord is God's mission on this earth. The question becomes then, what is my part in the missio Dei, in the mission of God? And that should frame how I use my time. I don't believe this means that we all have to become you know, uh, vocational pastors or missionaries or something like that. Uh, it I think God intends for us to, to work His mission wherever we are, whatever we are doing. But if you hear in Proverbs this instruction about 
slothfulness and laziness. If what you hear is that you should pursue productivity so that you can live the American dream, you're missing the point. Because God wants us to be missional in our use of time. Yes, make the most of of our time, make the best use of it for His will, for His mission. Um, And it's based not on our vision of upward mobility or anything like that. This is based on the gospel. It's that cosmic plan of God to bring glory to Himself by coming to this world in Jesus Christ to redeem and rescue broken sinners and then to create a new heavens, a new earth to realize and fulfill God's original vision for humanity and creation. That's the purpose. That's the mission of God. What is your place in the Missio Dei? in your family, as you work with your spouse, with your children, in your relationships, in your job, in your community, your neighborhood, in the church. What is your place in the Missio Dei? Now, the third thing that we're going to see here is that there is wisdom in rest. There's wisdom in rest. And for this, let's flip back to chapter 19 again. We'll go back to that first passage we looked at. And look at verse 23. Proverbs 19, 23, we read earlier. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. There is wisdom in rest. The call that we see in the Bible to, be, to not be lazy, to not be slothful, to not be like the sluggard is not a call to just endless activity. There is a place in God's economy, in the way that he has created you and me, there is a place for rest. I've talked to people who have worked multiple, multiple weeks of long hours. I used to be there, and, and not because I wanted to, but it, just, it was just what was demanded of me at the time. And, and let me tell you, that's no life. That's no way to live and be at your best when it comes to um, it, not only the job itself, but the other things that we have the family, the relationships, the friendships, our, our spouse, and things like that. The call not to be slothful doesn't mean endless striving. There's a place for rest, and it begins with the fear of the Lord here. The fear of the Lord leads to life. We talked a little bit about the fear of the Lord last week, how it is a reverence for God and a teachableness that the book of Proverbs repeats over and over. The question becomes, are you willing to be receptive to God's wisdom and not a despiser of instruction? 
This is the foundational choice in the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. Will you fear the Lord and receive his instruction, or will you reject it and be a fool? That's, that's the repeating theme throughout the book of, of Proverbs. And what we see here is that this, this fear of the Lord, this willingness to be instructed by God, leads to life. We tend to think of, of the Bible and God's instruction as being kind of hampering and, and tying us in and binding us up and it doesn't allow us to enjoy things, but it leads to life. It leads to vibrancy. It's life-giving. It's contentment-building. It says, whoever has it, whoever has the fear of the Lord rests satisfied, or the New International Version says, one rests content. Satisfied rest. In the biblical perspective of time, there's a place for rest. It's not endless striving. Jesus told his disciples after he sent them out, to witness and to preach two by two, and they came back. And at that point, he says, okay, come away and rest a while. Some of us need to learn how to not be slothful. Others of us need to learn how to rest. And once again, it's all framed by the purpose of God. Even, biblic, uh, even uh, worldly wisdom is starting to wake up to this, this concept. Studies confirm that more work does not lead to more productivity. One such study found that people who worked a normal 50-hour work week worked an actuality of about 37 hours of, of useful work. Now, you bump that up from 50 hours to 55, and the people working 55 hours of, of work a week were experiencing about 30 hours of useful work. So it was the law of diminishing returns to where the more we work, actually the less, the less uh, productive we are. And not only less productivity, but there are other health and wellness issues with sustained overwork. And so there comes a time where we need to sense the, the voice of the Spirit saying, come away and rest for a while. I've known people that just, they're always about work. They're at work when they're not at work. And this is not the way God has made us. God purposes never call us to work ourselves to death. But the fear of the Lord leads to life and contented rest. And the irony of all this is, it is the sluggard who's too tired. It's the sluggard that can't even put, bring his hand up to feed his face. But the one who fears the Lord rests content. Psalm 127, verse 2, you don't have to turn there, but I, if you're taking notes, write it down. It's, it's worth 
thinking about and meditating on. Meditating on. It's, a, it's a verse in Psalms that reads very much like a proverb. And it says this, It is vain, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now there's sometimes that I, I look at that verse that promise. He gives to his beloved sleep. And I, I try to invoke that promise when, when I can't get to sleep. I had one of those nights last night, like I fell asleep and an hour later I woke up and I'm like, I'm wide awake. Anybody ever can do that? You know. So I went out and made a fried egg sandwich and, you know, read some more and went back to sleep. But anyway, I, I often think in times like that when I can't get to sleep, in that moment, to pray, okay, Lord, you give your beloved sleep. Come on. <laughs> I don't think that's what this verse is saying. I think it's more, it's a bigger issue. What he's saying is, it's in vain that you rise up early and go to bed late and all this and endless toil. He gives you sleep, meaning he's created us for sleep. Can you believe that God made us in such a way that one-third of our life should be spent sleeping? That's amazing. God didn't have to make us that way. He could have made us so that we had endless energy and, and just stayed awake all the time. Some of you would like that. Um, he could have made us so that we only needed four hours of sleep. But generally speaking, we need about eight hours of sleep, which is one-third of our day. And God is saying, I've given that to you. I've given that to you because it's good for you. Now, here's the thing. When your activity is hemmed in by God's purpose then you don't have to worry about the things you don't do because you're not supposed to do them. If you understand that I have a purpose, I have a place in the Missio Dei, I have a place in the mission of God, and this is my place, and maybe some things aren't getting done, that may be cause for concern, but it's also not your worry. And you can rest knowing that you're, with the fear of the Lord, you, you have submitted to his plan for your life. This verse goes on to say that uh, the one who fears the Lord will not be touched by trouble. Um, let's be careful there. We could read that and say, okay, no trouble for, for me if I fear the Lord. Not what it's saying. It says you're untouched by trouble. It doesn't necessarily mean there's no trouble. It just means that trouble will not have the final word in your life. For the believer in Christ, adversity is not the last word. We take comfort knowing that in the midst of our troubles, the purpose of the Lord will stand, as we read. And we rest in that. 
Well, I'd like to put some questions up on the, the screen for you to think about. You can write them down or take a picture. As we think about time, maybe you were hoping for more tips and tricks about how to use your time better. I got a stack of 10 books here. If any come missing, I'm going to remember who all was here in this service. And, and uh, um, There's some good wisdom in, in these, okay? Uh, and, you know, God has, has seen to it that, that people of all stripes can come up with, with good thoughts in the, in the common grace of God. Um, but what we really want to do is find the true wisdom, the way of wisdom given to us in God's Word. So here are the questions that you can ask yourself and think about. Number one, do I live a God-facing life? What would it mean if I considered that God rules my time? Do we not have... Okay, I'll read them, and uh, I, we'll probably get them out on the weekly or something, uh, uh, the loop. So, do I live a God-facing life? What would it mean if we really started to consider God in everything that we do? Uh, number two, is my time fruitful in the missio day, in the mission of God? God doesn't want us to be lazy and slothful. He wants us to be about His Father's business. And number three, do I toil anxiously? How does knowing that my time is in God's hands help me to rest in times of trouble. Now, the rest that we are granted in this life that God um, gives to His beloved, His people, He gives rest and sleep, all of that is a parable of the salvation rest that we find in Christ. The book of Hebrews talks about entering his rest. We rest from our vain works and trust in his finished work. He finished his work and sat down at the right hand of God the Father because his work was done. So we look in hope then to that final rest that we will have in the new heaven and new earth. And it's this salvation rest that we celebrate in communion. As we come to the table, we think about the rest that God has given us from our sins, from our labors, from all these things. Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes. So as part of our response, we're going to go to the, to the Lord's table I uh, invite you to take a few moments to think, to pray, to meditate. Let's gather our wandering thoughts. Let's abandon our impure affections and dismiss our cares for the present. 
so that we may engage our hearts to approach unto God. So after a couple of minutes, I'll get up and signal to all of us that the tables are open. And uh, you're welcome to come. If you're a believer in Christ, uh, I invite you to come to the table. Uh, Come thoughtfully, come uh, meditating, come confessing your sins, knowing that in Christ they are forgiven. And as we come, um, there are two stations at each table, uh, gluten-free wafers uh, in each of the, each of the uh, trays. Um, just take that time to, to pray and thank the Lord for what He has done for us as we remember Him. If you're new, if you're visiting, uh, we have connect cards in the seat in front of you that you can fill out if you'd like to be known. So I invite you to do that. Any prayer requests you would like to, to write down and the, uh, the staff will, will be praying over those this week. Giving boxes in the back if you would like to, uh, to give and support the church. And uh, so let's pray and then we'll go to the, the table. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your thoughts on time. And sometimes your, your book of Proverbs is so real. It's so vivid and we can picture it. Lord, help us to frame our time according to your purpose. Lord, I thank you for your, uh, the cross of Christ the work that Jesus did on our behalf to pay for our sins and to secure for us a hope and a future. As we come to your table now, I pray that you would, you would guide our thoughts and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.